I am addicted to improvement. And so I never, I, I never feel like I killed it. I never feel like I arrived. Like I'm always tweaking in the moment and afterwards going, all right, well, I would say this, I would use this example. I could tell they may not have fully understood what I said here. And so next time I'm going to, to make an adjustment. Welcome to What's Next with Eric Wood, where we will prepare you to make your what's next in life your best yet. Our next guest is Ryan Leak, and Ryan is an author, speaker, and executive coach that has impacted countless lives through his work, and we will without a doubt be impacted in a big way from our conversation today. I recently got to see Ryan at a keynote speech in person, and I can honestly say it may be the best keynote I've ever heard. We will link to uh, all of his work in the show notes, and that includes his game-changing books and two incredible documentaries that we will mention and talk about on this podcast. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you tune in weekly. And also, if you haven't already, go to Amazon and order my book, Tackle What's Next, and the link to that's in the show notes. Thanks and enjoy. Ryan, welcome to the podcast, brother. Eric, thank you so much, man. It is an absolute pleasure to be on with you today, man. And it was awesome to even meet you uh, in person uh, a few weeks ago. So that that was fun for us to to finally get to connect in person. Yeah, for sure. So I want to honor Jordan Montgomery for making the introduction. Drew Gaynor brought me out to the Northwestern Mutual event to get to see you speak, which was yeah. really neat. And, and, and I'm not blowing smoke. I, I'm being dead serious. And I told you afterwards... I loved your storytelling. I love how they were your stories as well, which gives, you know, a, a younger person in the room like we are oftentimes when we're speaking, it gives you that added credibility that you've stepped out and taken those chances that you are encouraging everyone else out there to do as well. So I, I really enjoyed it. You're also a Jordans guy, which I appreciate <laughs> rocking the Jays with the suit on stage. I'm the yeah. same way. There's just something about having a pair of Jays on when you're up there for a talk that gives you that little bit extra piece of confidence. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that, but we're going to start in just a touch of a different direction. I want to talk about your basketball career first, because I understand, you know, college All-American, pretty good (laughs) ball player growing up, I'm assuming. Man, I I just, I really loved the game and was just, just around it. It's different in today's environment for youth. Like I grew up just playing at the park against grown men. Like that was, that was, I didn't have a trainer, you know, like there was no like, AAU for me like it just you just went and just kind of like learned how to play in the streets and um, you know had an opportunity to play college basketball and we had some fun doing it so yeah well then you took a chance and you created this documentary called Chasing Failure where you go on on a journey to attempt to be a professional athlete and and I loved all the messaging within the documentary as well encouraging people if you knew you couldn't fail what would you go after? What what would you try mm-hmm. to do? And oftentimes by just chasing what inevitably likely is going to be a failure with, you know, you trying to get to the NBA, you have so many lessons that you learned, so much growth personally. What, 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 was, what was maybe your biggest takeaway through that journey? You know, I, I, I think one of my biggest takeaways from – the journey to getting a workout with the Phoenix Suns to even now working with professional sports teams is I think from a distance, they make what they do look way easier than it actually is. And so some people see it as, you know, these are a bunch of 
kids in their 20s making millions of dollars to play a game. It's like you have no idea what they go through to be a top athlete in their sport. And so, man, one of my biggest takeaways was just a tremendous amount of respect for a professional athlete that there are so many sacrifices that they make to be who they are, which led me to begin asking people um, that I think have accomplished greatness, anybody successful. I always love asking the question over coffee or over dinner, hey, what's it cost to be you? Mm. Hey, what's it cost to be you? Because you paid a price. You didn't get here free. Like, you know, what what does it cost to be you? And, And when you ask an NBA player that, it's a price that most kids aren't willing to pay. Right. And, and so I, I just walked away with just a tremendous amount of respect for just how much work goes into what someone might seem like, hey, I paid a ticket. I came to watch them play basketball. It's like, no, that's their third workout for the day. Right. Is it an actual NBA game? You know, it's just like like they they what what they put their bodies through is just uh, it's. Now, one of my friends who uh, is retired from the NBA now, he said, in hindsight, we were insane. Mm. Who who does an hour to work out, go get something to eat and go back and do it again? That's called insanity. But it's like you need a little bit of insanity to be insanely great. <laughs> and, and so there's this weird dichotomy. So it's like, Whenever a professional athlete starts doing things insane, you're like, oh, they need to get it together. It's just like, no, that actually benefited them for your entertainment. But when it doesn't go well, it's like, whoa, 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 we need to help them with their mental health. It's like, no, like to be that good at anything, there is a little bit of like, I need to, to be psychologically just a little off because you can't have normal conversations with yourself. You're pushing yourself past normal boundaries to be able to compete at a high level. Man, I I love that. I love that full explanation. Uh, I love the, if you want to be insanely great, you have to have some insanity. (laughs) And throughout my career with the Bills, I always said the guys, you know, I didn't play with, maybe some guys will be in the Hall of Fame eventually, but Terrell Owens is the one guy I played played with. His locker was right next to mine. And I, I love telling this story, but I asked Terrell Owens when he came on the podcast, I said, what was your favorite chicken wings in Buffalo? And he said, I never ate chicken wings in Buffalo. I said, you don't like chicken wings? He said, I, I like them, but I wasn't there to eat chicken. I was there to be a Hall of Famer. And I was like, whoa, that is wow. next level. And and there's just different levels of sacrifice that the true yeah. great ones make. You're talking about an NBA you're talking about NBA teams in a league where you're fighting against people from around the world and you're talking about a 12 man roster. It's, it's very limited. The sacrifice oh, yeah. is insane. You got the chance to meet Kobe Bryant. Um, and, and that was kind of on the heels of your first documentary uh, yeah. with the surprise wedding and then leading into the chasing failure. And I'll, I hate that it's come to this for me, but I feel like I appreciate him just so much more now that he's passed and I've dug into so much yeah. of his mindset and, and all that he was as a man. Cause oftentimes yeah. you, you did, you did, we didn't get to see it all prior to him passing, but man, what was, uh, what was it like being in a room with Kobe Bryant? You know, uh, similar to what I learned in Phoenix, watching 
you know, professional athletes do their thing. I was, I got a brand new appreciation for Kobe's life and career because obviously he has now what we would consider infamous workout stories and every person that kind of encountered Kobe can kind of share their kind of, oh my gosh, you know, he was in the gym eight hours and, you know, all all of these kind of crazy things. What blew me away was watching him handle the media and kids after a game. Mm. And I just thought, here's a guy who at the time had been doing that for 16 years. And you think about, imagine playing 100 games a year, which for Kobe going into the playoffs, 90 was about average a year. Okay, 90 to 100 games. That's that's a that's an NBA game every three days throughout the year. Just think about that. That's not practice. That's not working out. Like that is you are competing at a very very high level. You know, every three to four days, win or lose or overtime or cheated, somebody's going to put a mic in your face, and then there's going to be a room full of kids who this is as good as it gets for them. And you got to put aside how you feel about the coach, the teammate that let you down, anything going on in your personal life and put a smile on your face and go show up for some kids a hundred times a year, regardless of your mood. I just, to me, I just thought to me, that's harder than even <laughs> playing the game because you you there is a constant onness that doesn't include any other public appearances which last time I checked I believe every NBA player has to do 12 public appearances a year so not so I mean you just add up all of that you're talking about somebody that's got to be Kobe everywhere and that's not lifting weights it's not doing suicides. It's not making 500 jumpers. It's like, no, I got I got to be a great human being and a great athlete. And so thinking about that amount of pressure, that is what really, really moved me of going just like watching how well he like just how kind he was to the media and kids and, and all of that was, um, you know, it just makes you think. It's sometimes it's not about the thing that you're doing. It's all of the other stuff that goes around the thing that you do. For sure. And, and as a as a pro athlete, part of the reason that you're paid like you are is because it's all consuming. You know, and and also it's a big lead up. It's like you getting paid to speak on stages nowadays and making a great living, but they don't understand what the free gigs that you did early on all of the work that got you to that stage. People look at these coaches nowadays and maybe they are overpaid at times, but you know, let's call it $10 million. They say, man, Nick Saban's making $10 million to coach football. Well, he was a GA at one point making $7,000 a year. And so there's tremendous sacrifice on the way, no matter what profession you're in. And then people see the bright lights at the end of it. And that's in now, especially nowadays we're, we're because of social media, we just get to see so much of the, the highlights 
I feel like we're just we're we're we've got accustomed to ignoring the grind that it takes to get there, and then you just think that success should come, and then you see transfers and you see people quitting on their teams and all that. We could fill an entire podcast on that, but I want to get back to your story and your work. What led you into your work of speaking, writing, and uh, documentaries and everything else you got going on? Man, I just wanted to help people. Just wanted to help people. You know, I think uh, I've sat across the table from so many people that were just discouraged, um, rejected, got told no. I think early on, just even in high school, you know, people, oh man, I didn't get into the college that I wanted to to get into. And then, you know, you get to college and then you start graduating from there. And it's like, man, I, I can't land a job. I thought it was going to be easier. I thought a business degree would do more for me. And, and I think one of the things that I've learned at this age now is that there is always a group of people that people don't feel bad for. And typically it's people who are wealthy. Like people don't feel bad for NFL players. Right. People don't feel bad for NBA. But like we don't, we don't feel bad for the multimillionaire athletes. It's like, no dude, it's like in our mind, they don't have any problems. Well, you and I both know that's not true. In fact, the opposite is true. So what I've learned is that everybody that I meet has some sort of difficulty in their life. And if I look for it, I will gain empathy for that person. And so anytime I sit across from anyone, I think, man, what is their, what is the biggest challenge going on in their life? And what can I do to add value to it? And so that's where a lot of my content creation comes from. It's just random conversations that I have with people going, and people struggle parenting, people struggle at work, people struggle to be married. I have single friends that are desperately want to be married. I have married friends that desperately want to be single. It's kind of funny if you think about it. But I just think, man, how can I how can I help those people at a high level? Um, I don't love writing books. Um, I, I like the research piece. Um, I actually like I, – I, I take that back. I do like writing books. I hate publishing books. There's a massive difference. Okay? Right. The the whole um, the work it takes to write a book is not nearly the amount of work that it takes to market and push and call friends and do all of that side of it. I don't like, but I do like putting together messaging that I think can can encourage people. And sometimes you can't do one without the other. But I do all of that. I get on a stage. I will record a podcast, or I'll write a book, or make a course. Um, all because I think it's inevitably going to help people move from one place in their life to to another level. To another level. That's a perfect transition. So one, I'm appreciative that you go through maybe your least favorite part of your current line of work to get those books through the finish line because they've been impactful yeah. on me. And, and I've always felt like, and I, I've worked with executive coaches before that it's the questions they ask that allow you to find your own answers as opposed to them just telling you what they believe would be the best solution for you. And I love in leveling up how it's a series of questions that lead you to getting to a new level in your life. And so I love the vision question. Like, how do you personally define success? What's success to you? Because if you don't know what success is to you, you could spend your entire time in life getting to a destination that wasn't what truly success meant to you, whether that's chasing money, Absolutely. whether it's family or whatever it may be. So I want to ask Ryan Leak this, what does success look like to you personally? 
So success for me, um, you know, it looks like my kids and my wife 10 and 15 years from now wanting to be around me. Like a true desire that when my kids don't have to be around me, they want to. They want to come home. For me, uh, that is that is my primary definition of success. Um, in terms of, you know, professionally, I think a lot of it is I, I honestly, honestly, I wake up a lot and just pinch myself and think to myself, I can't believe I get to do this. Not not that I just get to, but that I get paid to do something that I absolutely love. And um, I never get used to it. And I don't want to. Like there are so many jitters. There's so much of a nervousness, uh, butterflies in the stomach um, at every event. You just never know how it's going to go. And so you just... You're thinking about things you've learned over the course of 10 years that you're going to share on a stage in 30 minutes, and hopefully it goes well. So uh, I think for me, uh, professionally, I feel like I am in a sweet spot where I am getting paid to do something that I feel like God put me on the planet to do that I also have a skill set to do. Like when you're checking a lot of those boxes – I think you're winning. Um, I do think you can take it too far and that you can lose what matters most in the process. It can be, it, it can be very, very interesting figuring out what you say yes to and what you say no to based off of your definition of success. And so the, you'd be surprised the dollar amount total in a year of what I say no to. And anytime I'm shopping and go, oh, can't get that, I think, well, we could have. Right. If I would have just said yes, but it's like, no, the stuff doesn't matter. The people I'm with, that that's what truly matters. And so so I think having a my own definition of success, not my parents, not even my community's definition of success, like, hey, we we've decided, hey, these are some things that we we want to be in place for our life. Another way we measure success with my company and in our home is through giving. So we have a giving goal every year, um, not an income goal. I really don't care how much I make. Um, I care about how much we're able to give on a, on a yearly basis. And that goal grows every single year. And as that number has grown, so has, so has our income. And so generosity is always going to be a hallmark for what we do personally and professionally. I appreciate you sharing all that. And it's amazing how God's math works. And the more you give, it tends to come back to you. And it might not always look like dollars and cents coming back to you, but it's the fulfillment, it's the gratitude, it's the relationships, it's the impact. It's amazing how God's math works when you give it away, how richer you feel at times. And, And sometimes it does look like dollars coming back in. And so I appreciate you sharing that. What more, uh, question I want to ask you on the book. And so it starts with talking about, you know, the first level being the aimless stage all the way up to level six, which would be mastery. And so all those listening to this podcast in some way, shape or form want to 
discover mastery in their lives in, in all buckets of life. And so mm. what are some characteristics of someone that's operating on the level of mastery that you'll observe from them? You know, those people that what I would consider to be uh, level six people that that live at a level where they've truly mastered enough areas of their life that they're investing in other people. I think part of it is is, is reshaping how you look at investments. Uh, when people think of their portfolio or they think about it in terms of their money, but I always think, I always like to say, well, who are you investing in? Because the return on investment there is greater than anything you could ever get monetarily. And so I think one of the things or characteristics of people who live at a mastery level is that they're people that are really intentional about relationships and very intentional about investing, not just in the next generation, but in others. So there are times where it's like when you're building a business where it's like, oh, yeah, it's about me. I'm growing my thing. It, it takes a special mastery-like person to step outside of their business and say, how can I help Eric's business grow today? How can I help Eric's podcast grow today? How can I help Eric sell some books today? Like most people just, they're just not wired to do that. And so I think that gives people a grand opportunity to stand out, to be able to say, hey, you know, we talk about Jordan Montgomery. What, what, did, what did we say about Jordan Montgomery when we met? He's the only person I know who hustles every single day for other people. Mm -hmm. Like he's consistently trying to help others go to the next level. And so that's why I would consider Jordan Montgomery to be a level six type person. A common theme of this podcast is that you do not get better in life without the right coaching. I'm here to tell you that PGA Golf Channel lead instructor Brian Jacobs can get your golf game to the next level. He can coach you either virtually or in person at his academy locations, or he can travel to wherever you are in the country and coach you. I have done both with Brian and have seen the benefit. Contact him at brianjacobsgolf.com or brianjacobsgolf on social media. Yeah, that's special. And, and it's all about how you're making an impact on others. And that's that top level. I, I love how you put that. And, and, and I loved that part of the book. All right. I, I got a question. And, and I love asking people that I see as successful because generally there's routines, there's habits that get them to the point where you can operate. And when I say successful, that means healthy relationships with your loved ones and everything else. What's do you have a specific morning routine that you like to stick to? No, I, I don't. Uh, I thought about becoming one of those 5 a.m. people and joining the 5 a.m. club and doing all of that. But I actually did some some research on could people be awesome and wake up at a normal time. <laughs> and I, I found that the most productive time of the week across the nation is at 10 54 a.m on monday and i thought i can do that i can be awesome then i'll see you at 10 54 a.m on monday and so my morning routine is is pretty simple i like get my kids ready for school it, it just depends on the season the other hard part about having a specific morning routine is just travel mm -hmm. and i don't control uh what time i'm speaking at an event and so there's times where you know last week i spoke twice 
uh, at seven in the morning. I was, I did two breakfast events back to back. So it was like, and I just, I just couldn't have a routine. And then right after I was hopping on a flight. And so I don't like to get too uh, methodical and stuck in a routine. I like to create um, lifestyle balance, some particular habits. Um, I guess one of the things that I do, I have more of a nighttime routine than a morning routine, which is just yoga before bed. Yeah. 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 We, we just stretch it out right before bed. I did the same um, thing. Yeah. I just, it's just so good for the body kind of relaxes, relieves some stress. And I can do that on the road, wherever I'm at. And, uh, so that would probably be the, the one thing, uh, that I do often. And I don't think people realize like speaking as much as I do, I think I do about 120 events a year. I'm trying to go down to 80 or 90 this year. Um, and that's not working out too well. However, <laughs> it's a professional sport. Like you gotta, you gotta like, you gotta take care of your voice. You gotta take care of your body. You're, you're exerting a level of energy that is, um, it, it's insane. And so, so for me, I've just had to get, I've had to, to reframe even how I think about the industry in a professional sports like manner and going, Hey, if you want to be the best, you've actually got to be in a position to continue speaking and you've got to take care of, of your, of your vocal cords. So dude, I got all kinds of stuff. Dude, dude, I have to spray this in my mouth, 30 minutes, mouth coat, 30 minutes before I speak. I've got this other stuff. Dude, I heard um, from my uh, ENT, ear, nose, and throat doctor. He says, you want to know the worst thing a speaker can do? Fly. Mm-hmm. It's the worst thing a speaker can do because it's so dry. He goes, the worst thing you can do is, fl- is fly, get off a plane and speak. Because you're, you're going to absolutely ruin your voice. So I have this stuff that I spray in my nose every 15 minutes on a flight to keep my vocal cords and nasal system moisturized. So I'm sitting on the plane and people are like, what's this guy doing? I'm going, I'm being elite. That's what I'm doing. Right. And so there are just things that people don't. There's another like little sing ring that like you do vocal warmups on. It looks like you're smoking a joint right before, but I keep it in my suit coat pocket. I pull it out. I do my vocal. I mean- I'm a professional. Yep. And these are the things. It's again, it's the mentality, like that you have to have to say, hey, you know, if if I want to be elite in this category, um, I've got to do what elite people do. Love that mindset. I, I I love that you don't care about what the others think about you spraying the nose spray. Uh-huh. My kids will say things all the time, or my wife will say you know, Eric, that's, that's goofy. That's weird. I say, I'm not trying to fit in. Like when our neighbors look at me and I get out of our pool and it's freezing in the winter, but I just got out of the sauna. Like, I don't care that like, I want to be different. You, everybody else, you see where this country's gotten with everyone trying to fit in. I'm trying to be different. I I, I love that. Um, a a buddy of mine that sings country music, he'll carry around a straw. You talk about looking like you're smoking a joint. He'll carry around a little straw and hum into it. And it's, protecting your vocal cords at all and strengthening them and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of tips and tricks with all that. And I got to be careful uh, when I'm calling the bills games on Sundays, on Saturdays, a lot of time, you know, we're out, we have people in town and I'll find myself talking over a crowd at dinner and I can lose my voice with the best of them. I truly can. I mean, probably because I never shut up, but I can lose my voice with the best of them. So I'll catch myself and I'll be like, okay, 
I just need to listen for a little while because I'm not going to be able to call the game tomorrow. So it's Absolutely. it's treating your voice, whatever it is that that yeah. makes you to be able to be a lead. You have to protect it. You got to develop it. Speaking of developing it, I, I love asking people that I truly respect in their communication yeah. skills. Was there any coaching that you did along the way? It, taking coaching on speaking was it practice mm-hmm. and, and everyone will say reps but besides reps was there anything that you were intentional about to develop into the speaker that you are today i said it in the keynote that you heard but i'll, I'll say it again for this audience i'm willing to fail things most people are too intimidated to try so I've put out so much content on social media in the sense of going, I'm finding out what works and what doesn't work. And let's say I, I have a video on TikTok right now. It's got four views. It's awesome. (laughs) It's awesome. I love it. It's like, and it stares at me, but it's like, you know, what's not working for that particular platform. It's got thousands of views on another one, but it's like, why does that one right there? But again, you got to be paying attention to creating content and not waiting for a stage before you start. Like social media has changed the world. 10 years ago, if you were a speaker, there was no outlet for you to practice content. You, you hoped and prayed you got a gig. And if you got the gig, you just better be ready. And it just better be awesome. There's no practice. Like, this is the game. Well, now, practice all the time. I practice four or five times a week, you know, with a perfect audience of all kinds of people that aren't afraid to give you feedback when it's not good. And so I think uh, the answer is a little bit of yes, reps, but not reps how people think. They have no idea how many times I sit in front of a camera and record greetings, social media content, you name it. I think that there's always something that I'm writing or recording that puts you in the space of just being uh, a communicator. Just figuring out other compelling ways to to tell stories, engage an audience, and uh, every every keynote I I deliver, I try something new. I tried a brand new joke in the keynote you heard, and it was okay. It didn't land. It it, it was it was one of those things where I didn't need it to be that funny. But in other audiences, it might be. But I'm always trying something. And I'm speaking for Northwestern Mutual again next week. And I've already made seven or eight tweaks to that talk of the same one I just gave to their other audience. Why? Because I am addicted to improvement. And so I I, I never feel like I killed it. I never feel like I arrived. Like I'm always tweaking in the moment and afterwards going, all right, well, I would say this, I would use this example. I could tell they may not have fully understood what I said here. And so next time I'm going to, to make an adjustment. If you follow me at all on social media, you have seen me rave about my sauna from sauna space. And I only promote products that I personally use myself. 
I'm excited to let you know that I now have an offer for the listeners. Sauna Space allows you to rejuvenate at a cellular level with a sauna that harnesses the power of the sun. Sauna Space combines cutting-edge infrared technology with nature's ancient wisdom to help you find relief. What's that mean? You will get the many benefits of infrared light. You will detox your body through the pouring of sweat out of your body, and you will be charged by the grounding mat your feet will be on. If you want that explained further, go to episode 94 of this podcast, and the owner, Brian Richards, will explain them for himself. Everyone that has purchased one of these saunas has absolutely loved it. It is a vital part of my daily routine to optimize my body. This would make a perfect gift this holiday season. Use the link in the show notes and use code What's Next 5 for 5% off your order and your loved one will never feel better. I love it. Great stuff. How many takes did it take you? The other day I saw you on the YouVersion uh, Bible app doing the uh, verse of the day explanation. How many takes yeah. did that take you? So I used to actually enjoy having to do so many takes on different things that I would be recording. And if you saw my phone a year ago, I, you know, I'd have 15 takes oh, or a kid would run in or, or, or something. But I've been utilizing the teleprompter app. It's awesome. And with it, I really maybe sometimes two takes because it puts the words right there at the camera and I just write how I talk. So it's not hard. It's not like, I don't feel like I'm reading. I feel like I'm just essentially repeating myself. So to make sure that it's heartfelt and true to who I am, I just write how I, how I normally talk and put it down right on my phone. And then I just I set it on a stand and then we go for it. What's the uh, teleprompter app called? Teleprompter app. Perfect. That's easy. That'll be an easy one to remember. Good yeah, it's just called. Tell you type in teleprompter. The thing it'll literally say teleprompter. Like that's yeah. that's what it is. So. I'll have to I'll have to check that out. All right, yeah. a few recurring questions, and I'm going to get you out of here. Number sure. one, besides your own, do you have a favorite book? Yes, by Tim Shore. It's called The Secret Society of Success. It's all about what he he refers to as shadow people, people behind the scenes that are crushing and don't need the spotlight. He actually tells a story in there about a guy, I believe his name was Michael Scott. He was the guy that was the driver of the spaceship for Neil Armstrong and Buzz Lightyear. He had to orbit the moon 26 times while they did everything that they needed to do for NASA. And his name is never mentioned with Buzz and Neil. And he's okay with that. But he literally was their Uber driver to the moon. And, and Tim says a line in his book that just floors me to this day. He said, do I need the spotlight when I'm trying to get to the moon? Like, would I be willing to go to the moon and not walk on it? Like, these are the things that it's just like, man, it's just, it's just a really, really great, well-written book on people like that that I think are just killing it and don't need to, to tell anybody about it. Yeah. What a really cool concept. Uh, that one's getting added to the queue. What was your first car? My first car was a Ford Windstar. 
Nice. Minivan. I threw some hubcaps on it because uh, I thought that's, I was trying to pimp my ride at the time because I didn't like my ride, but I thought, how can I elevate it? So I kept it clean and threw, threw some hubcaps on it. That's funny. Uh, what's your favorite Jordans? I'm a Jordan one guy right now. It just feels, it, I, I just feel like I can wear them with anything. Jordan 11s are iconic, but you can't wear them with just anything. Right. So I, I think the Jordan 1s are, are, they have my heart right now. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i in a three phase right now, mm-hmm. but um, 11s definitely iconic, the patent leathers. Yeah. And then the ones are the ones right now are so popular. I just got back from playing golf in Florida, and every golf shop's got multiple pairs of the yeah. Jordan 1 golf shoes now. Those are those are back. Those are on the rise yep. for sure. Yeah. What What's your favorite restaurant? Favorite restaurant, Portillo's hot dogs. That I don't get to partake in very much because of my new diet. <laughs> right. So, true food kitchen on most days. So, but but I love Portillo's. Good deal. All right, last one for me. This is what's next with Eric Wood. What's next for Ryan Leak? What do you got coming down the line that's got you excited? Man, I've got this online course that, you know, I've never really delved much, if you will, into the online education space. I know it's a massive space, and but it's one of those things that intimidated me, which means I moved towards it, not away from it. And so we created the course. Haven't told anybody about it yet. It exists on the website. We haven't told anybody to actually got go to it. Uh, so that's coming out here in in a in a few weeks, maybe six weeks, we'll start start promoting that heavily. And so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how that impacts people. That's awesome. Anything I can do to help support that, you just let me know. Ryan, I can't thank yeah. you enough for your time. I can't thank you enough for the impact that you've had on me and my life just in our brief time meeting, but yeah. following your work, following you on social media. You are a light in this world. You're making a monster impact. I love the gratitude that you express constantly to be in the position you're in, which I think makes you yeah. even even more special. So thank you for yeah. the time, the conversation, the words. And we will link to everything for Ryan in the show notes. Uh, follow him on social media. He's a great follow. What's your uh, handle on, on social media? At Ryan Leak everywhere. Perfect. Okay, yeah. that makes it easy. Thank yeah. you for the time, brother. I appreciate it, man. This episode has been brought to you by Jordan Yoakum at Tom James Company. Jordan is my clothing guy and I get everything from him from custom suits and dress clothes to casual wear. Let Jordan do the shopping for you to save you precious time that could be focused on your family, career, or hobbies. Jordan can work virtually with anyone in the world and if he cannot personally get your measurements himself, he will have someone come get them for him. If you have put on the quarantine 15 like many have and your clothes aren't fitting properly anymore, he can also make adjustments to the clothing you already have. There's a certain confidence that comes with having clothes that fit perfect and let Jordan give you that confidence. You can contact him by email at jordan.yokum at tomjames.com or visit his website louisvillecustomclothing.com. Contact info will be in the show notes.